Bobby, welcome to It's Just a Countdown Part Game Show, Part Public Service, where we rank anything and everything to tell you what is number one and what is number ten. The topics range from esoteric to mundane, from fictional to non-fictional, and from the worst to the best. I am your host, Zane, and my co-host is... My name's JJ, hello, hello. And today, we are talking about our top 10 movies. Uh, this is something we wanted to do for our very first time, and uh, for our very first episode, we decided to do something really, really big. So, the format works like this. Each person will give their entry, starting from 10, and give a small defense of their awful choice, and then everyone else will do the same, moving up from 9 all the way to their supremely bad take at number 1. Once all lists are complete, we will decide on a unanimous best thing for the topic, and it will be honored in the Hall of Best Things Ever. If you want to submit an idea for us to rank, please do so at itsjustacountdown at gmail.com. Again, that's itsjustacountdown at gmail.com. And we might rank some items in your topic. Without further adulation, let us begin. Okay. So... Why don't you start us off, JJ? All right. Your number 10 for your top 10 movies. I will start us out. And I have to say, though, that this list gave me great anxiety. And it was one of those things I thought I was going to rewrite a thousand times. And by the end of it, uh, just kind of going with the first shot. Like, this is my shoot from the hip list. So my shoot from the hip number 10, fittingly enough, is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Ooh. Yeah, my dad and I used to, that's like the movie for my dad and I. That's the one that we watch together that we feel like men together. There you go. All right. Sure. That's a fantastic, have you ever seen that movie? Uh, uh, funnily enough, I probably also watched it with my dad when I was younger. However, uh, that genre of film doesn't always uh, stick in my head. Uh, so I don't have a lot of ammunition to make fun of you about this, but uh, it's I do, uh, I do know that that movie is well regarded. It is. I'm I'm super stoked with that one. I have no regrets about Butch Cassidy. The only thing that worried me is that it's so low on the list at number ten. But what for do you sure have? that means that can only mean that there's nine things better than that. Nine whole things. <laughs> All right. Yeah, why don't you hit me with your 10? What do you have? So in crafting my list, I discovered I also have... Uh, I have discovered an aesthetic. Um, mm. that And that a lot of things in my life are this aesthetic. Uh, and speaking of aesthetic, my number 10 is Slacker, uh, directed by Richard Linklater. Oh, um, all right. Slacker is an incredible uh, experimental film that is uh, takes the lives of these... It's a, I think the movie says it's like hundreds, but it's like at least a few dozen uh, young adults and teenagers in Austin, Texas um, in the 90s and just covers their life over a 24-hour period in a really interesting way. And uh, it just really reminds me of like uh, times when I was like also just a deadbeat teenager hanging mm -hmm. out on the street, going to people's houses who never locked their doors, yeah, experiencing sure. all their weird garbage. Uh, yeah, uh, Slacker's a great movie, and if you've never seen it, much like 
much like all of the movies we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. I highly recommend you see them. I really, I can't say anything bad about Slacker. I, uh, I have watched that movie only once, and I only remember certain scenes, but it's because, like, those movies really, uh, it, they kind of pass by, like, real life, right? So the things that resonate to you, like, really resonate to you, and there's certain things I remember yes. from that movie that are absolutely, it's, it's, you know, like, uh, art imitating life. It's, like, the best example of art imitating life. Yeah, and the movie opens with Richard Linklater as the first actor. as just, like, a fun little cameo. So good. Um, uh, yeah, so why don't you go ahead and hit us with your number nine? Number nine! Uh, <laughs> I have... I Okay, so I have... <laughs> I feel like there's gonna be some people who are gonna be like, why'd this one make it when that one didn't? But you know what? It's all about what feels good in the heart, and Dead Poet Society hits me in the heart every time I watch it. That, to me, is peak Robin Williams. And I know that that is a, uh, an intense and strong thing to say, but I think that it's a star-studded cast, really, right? Like, so many people. But yeah. Robin Williams in that movie, like, inspired. He's the reason I think I want to be a teacher, is sure, yeah. John Keating, that character. I love that movie. And being a theater person, it really hits home at the end with a kid that just wants to act. So, you know... Yeah, I mean, Dead Poets Society gets this reputation of, like, being super basic, but, like, it got that for a reason, you know? Like, exactly. movie's very strong. Very strong. It's, uh, it's just so good. Well, I mean, Think about how many kids have said, oh, Captain, by Captain, over the course of their life. Whether ironically or not, one time as a joke, I had a couple kids stand up on the tables and, and say that when I was, like, teaching in a school, the few times I've done that. And it was one of the more gratifying moments of my whole life. It felt really good, even though they had no idea what they were doing. They just knew it was a thing to do. But it meant the whole world to you, and they won't understand why for at least another decade. At least, yeah. And then one day they're going to be like, oh, well, that was lame that he just asked us to do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but enough about Dead Poet Society. What do you have for number nine? All right, well, for my number nine, you may have thought yours was coming in, uh, and people might have some things to say about it. Uh, let's just hold on for my number nine, Adventureland, starring Kristen Stewart and uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Really? R- really. Huh. Man. Uh, Adventureland, again, is very aesthetic. Uh, it's another teen... Uh, wasting away teen movie sure and uh, I think part of the reason I I love these kinds of movies is growing up in Phoenix Arizona where all emo bands originate from uh, both physically and spiritually Um, (laughs) it's a really great movie with really uh, and at a time when Twilight was like the thing Kristen Stewart was known for uh, Mm -hmm. Adventureland came out and was actually like this tour de force performance for her uh, where she got to like take a lot of the angst that she's really good at and then a director actually let her act instead of telling her to be as boring as possible um and the ending scene in particular is colored and composed in such a way uh that really sticks home with me and it's uh when jesse eisenberg goes to find kristen stewart out in new york city 
um that's that particular scene really sticks with me um as like uh it's like the unironic version of Fault in Our Stars. No, not Fault in Our Stars. Uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. They're all the same movie. Oh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, when the kid sticks out of the car and is like, and in this moment, I swear, we were infinite. Uh, this is that, but unironic. Right. <laughs> but completely unironic. You know, I really can't uh, talk bad about it at all. I've seen it once, and I gotta say, I don't think I finished it. So... Uh, before I, I gotta I gotta do my due diligence and I will I will sit through that one again for you. All right. Well, on that, why don't you go ahead and rip out your number eight on this? Number eight, I'm super excited about. Really, really, honestly, one of my favorite movies. I've watched it every single year of my life, I think. Um, so I've seen it. I mean, realistically speaking, a child sitting through a movie this long, I've probably seen it upwards of 25 times. Frank Capra's 1946 It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy wow. Stewart. Love of my fucking life. We didn't discuss if we were swearing on this. <laughs> That's fine. Love of my life, though. And, um, man, I, it just, like, that movie resonates with me on so many levels. And as old as season. it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as old as it is, all the values in it, everything just stays very true to the human condition while taking you back to this, like, nostalgia that I wasn't even close to being alive for. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that movie is also so, uh, like, beyond Christmas, right? Oh, yeah. Like, It's a Wonderful Life tells you so much about uh, what it just is to, like, appreciate the time you have. Yeah, it's very it's, specifically. It's one of the I've seen my father cry twice in my whole life, and one of them must have just been a really like tough year Christmas for him. And we watched it. We watch it every year at Christmas Eve, and that I like remember looking up, and it was right near the end. I'm like, dang, this is hitting home hard for dad. But then you know, just a couple years later, I'm sitting there crying through it because it hits so hard. That movie slaps. <laughs> It's so genuine. It's so heartwarming. It is just so sincere about what it wants to say. Uh, absolutely. Oh, Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower. Don't <laughs> you remember me, Mr. Gower? I love it so much. Despite Jimmy Stewart's awful uh, speech impediment. Uh, oh, God. It's so it's... beautiful, though. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on now. So good. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, what do you got? Number eight. What do you have? We're coming in with another Richler Linklater joint, more or less by accident, but it is Boyhood. Uh, I haven't seen Boyhood. You got to lay it on me. How is it? What's it uh, like? Boyhood is an absolute odyssey. Uh, it is a three-hour adventure that pretty famously took 16 years to make mm -hmm. because they let a they cast a boy, um, or 12 years to make. Excuse me. Um, they cast a boy at age six and let him grow all the way up to 18. Um, and they filmed it over the summers um, when he was out of school. So they would just take two months, film some more parts of the movie. They managed to convince Ethan Hawke to Amazing. be on board with this idea. This dude was filming this movie for 12 years. Um, but oh, yeah. it, the, the boy, the titular boy, who is experiencing the boyhood, um, is not 
like a particularly inspired actor as he starts to grow up because he very clearly became interested in different things. Um, but they allow him to bring so much of himself into it as he grows up uh, that it's just something really special to watch. It also has uh, the dumbest end line of any movie I've ever seen and it's so poignant in just how stupid it is. Um, <laughs> I'm so intrigued. Uh, it's it is a three-hour film, so if you choose no. to go experience that, it is a long journey. But I think it is a journey worth taking. If a long movie's good, it doesn't feel like a long movie. I'm into it. Boyhood really doesn't feel its length either. Uh, why don't you? Go ahead and hit us with your number seven. Alrighty then. Um, my number seven. Uh, we're gonna see how you feel <laughs> about... Okay. Well, so this one's tough for me because it's a much easier... I'm not gonna die on this hill yet. But technically it is a trilogy. If I need to just say the first one, The Godfather is one of the best movies of all time, easily. You are correct. However, I would argue that if we're talking about best movies of all time, you might reduce that down to a duology. So that's why I have trouble. <laughs> I'm not going to die on that hill for the trilogy, because the first one, oh man, that was the first time in my young, sheltered boyhood that I... <laughs> I remember such violence and it was all in the name of this family and, and I was just blown away by it. But it was the eye-opening to a world that I hadn't experienced at all yet. And in such like a raw and, and kind of traumatic way. And then the second one, yeah. you get De Niro playing... Uh, playing a young Brando and it's brilliant. It's amazing. And then you get the third one and you're like, there's some quotable stuff from that movie, but it's pretty forgettable. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but man, that first one. So I got it. Like I have on the list, Godfather part one, part two, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> the ellipses says it all. But this first movie here, the Godfather, I, I, it's incredible. I don't really have much to say about it besides the fact that it's absolutely incredible. Can you believe that the man who made The Godfather and Apocalypse Now went on to birth Nicolas Cage? It, it really is something else, though. It really like, is a shocking thing what you just said. <laughs> and Nicolas Cage is popular in his own right. That being said, a much different uh, moniker of quality, my number seven, mm -hmm. is Singing in the Rain. Ooh. I, yeah, yeah, that's One a... of the best movie musicals ever made, even if it is simple. Uh, the music is great. Performances are great mm -hmm. by Gene Kelly oh, yeah. and uh, tons of very famous performers at that time. Um, Singing in the Rain is sort of... It's hard to, like be a uh, like wax philosophical about it i suppose because it is just so what it is right right um but singing in the rain is just very special and there is only one movie i think that might be better than it 
in its in its genre, but we might get there uh, a little later. And yeah, I mean, as theater people, the two of us, I think it's worth stating yes. that that movie really speaks to an entertainer's heart. Um, it's true, and it, it really speaks to like this big transitional period in entertainment that honestly, you and I have seen a big shift like that with exactly what we're doing, or or YouTube, yeah. or all these different mediums that people have to create content and art and tell these stories and that's like a prime example of a classic story how, how it uh, transcends its setting the story remains true throughout time i mean never never forget like the world's most famous joke no 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 yes 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 <laughs> Uh, I never watched that one enough as a kid, but now that I have a kid, I find myself putting it on more and more. It's perfect for all ages. Anyone can enjoy singing in the rain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and hit us with your number six? Okay. So I was excited to get to this one because I had to pick a Quentin Tarantino movie. And I think a lot of the time, my favorite things depend on my mood. So the one Tarantino movie that I'm probably most often in the mood to watch would be Pulp Fiction. Sure. It's just so many stories. And, like, I know it's really common for people to do that today uh, in less strategically and tactfully done ways to tell many stories and interweave them and slap them together with like a big car crash or something you know but Pulp Fiction does it in this way where it's out of order it's a jumbled mess and it doesn't matter you get all the information that you need to get when you need to get it and it is a ride of a movie it just takes you so many places it's fantastic from gangsters to boxers to some deep dark seedy stuff man <laughs> you okay man nah I'm pretty fucking far from being okay <laughs> whatever the line is but man that movie messes me up just watching it I, I love that one my dad let me watch Pulp Fiction when I was but a youngin oh. uh, but he wouldn't let me watch the Bruce Willis scenes if that was the line that was it Everything really? else was fine. I could watch a girl OD, but I couldn't watch Bruce Willis get touched a little bit. You know, I get it, though. As a dad, hey, check out this awesome movie, but I don't think that you are intellectually and emotionally ready for this horrible <laughs> rape <laughs> that's about to occur. You know, like, I'd probably make the same call. For sure. Um, my number six. Singing in the Rain is a very special movie musical. However, there are very few movie musicals that are ever, like, markedly better than stage productions. Save for one example. And my number six is Chicago. Ooh. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm with you. Chicago is filmed in such thick, tasty style. Um, it is just so rife with wonderful imagery and theatricality. 
and uh, a a certain je ne sais quoi, I suppose, of like you're so clearly watching a story, but it's so compelling in the way it chooses to use like these outside of the world's reality scenes to move the story forward as if like all of this is just a stream of consciousness experience for them it really allows you to think like oh these characters who are like richard gear's character uh who is who is literally puppeteering some news reporters right uh in the scene he's not actually doing that in the world of the film but he might as well be and that's being portrayed in that scene in that musical number um and it's just done so 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 well and all of the performances are just incredible so well cast such interesting choices as well um chicago is a movie that does not feel its length i think despite being kind of a long film um and it's just uh, so many of those songs will just get stuck in your head um and again i have to give it props for being a much more enjoying piece than actually going to see chicago I have to agree with you on that. It is one of the very few times in my life that I would say that I might rather watch the movie than go see it in the pl- in, in a musical theater setting. Although I will always take someone up on that offer if they've got a ticket to Chicago to take me to go see. But that movie is the... I mean, probably one of the best examples, if not the best example of a musical intended for the stage being done in film in like the most respectful, tasteful, and just jaw-dropping way. Like you said, it just like you slap from one setting to the next and one minute you're in the courtroom and the next, you know, Roxy's like swinging on this giant stage with these lights blasting her name. It's so good. And, like, theater is so obviously, like, they'll tell you in any... You go take any theater history class, they'll tell you theater is a fleeting experience for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, They took Chicago and really allowed it to be told in a way only film could, which is just not something other movie musicals do. They just aren't stories that could only be told in a movie. And for some reason, Chicago just kind of fits that bill. Right. Right. I couldn't put it better myself. That's beautiful beautifully said why don't we why don't we scoot on in scooting on down to our top five. Oh shit we are in the top five now okay fittingly enough i didn't even realize i did this until now i'm hitting you with another bruce willis movie the fifth element Ooh. oh man so i'm a huge sci-fi dude like i i grew up on sci-fi i love science fiction And these are the type of science fiction movies that just speak to me on such a level that I I cannot explain. Like, this and, like, Blade Runner are just... They hit me in this way that other sci-fi movies just don't... Like, it's funny, it's fast, it's smart, it's interesting, it's so unique. It is a brilliant movie. And, like, Gary Oldman throw that dude in as the villain any day of the week and i'm i'm there for it absolutely like that that movie gets a lot of flack uh because it's goofy kind oh of. super goofy yeah um 
and I think that is mean. Because Fifth Element is just going for such a specific flavor of something mm-hmm. that you can't help but respect it. Uh, uh, yeah, a million times over. I think the fact that it's such a beautiful blend of goofy and badass and funny are just like that's what i'm there for i love a fun movie you know like it might not be my number one pick because probably it's just so fun but i love fun movies sometimes i don't need to sit there and and cry my eyes out or be blown away by a concept I just want to, like, buy the ticket and take the ride, you know? What what must have gone on in order... What was the pitch meeting like when Bruce Willis was approached for that, do you think? Like, do you think they were just really straight up about it and that he was just super jazzed? You know, that's... Do you think he hated it? Do you think he loved it? This came out in 1997. That's kind of like my... I might be wrong here, but when I think of Bruce Willis's career, good old Bruce Willis, he he always... Mm. That's probably, like, the peak. He was probably, like, one of the top-paid actors in Hollywood at this time. So, yeah. I mean, in my brain, I imagine they're like, we want to make Blade Runner, but, like, absolutely different. <laughs> it has nothing to do we with We want to make Blade Runner Star Wars. <laughs> we want to make Blade Runner Fun as hell. And guess what? We got Gary Oldman. Does that do anything for you? It would for me. (laughs) But, you know, Bruce Willis has been in some real, real bangers. He's actually in, like, a third of my honorable mentions. Like, he's been in so many amazing movies that I bet you he's got, like, a, a little radar that when he reads a script, he's like, oh, like, this isn't going to do poorly you know yeah I bet like that dude's been in the biz a long time and he's been part of a lot of flops and a lot of successes like he's probably got a pretty good attunement absolutely there's you know we can cut this out later if there's not time for it but there's this story of Bruce Willis on set for like a Kevin Smith movie I think Kevin Smith that's the guy that did Clerks right Yeah. yeah so it's like a cop a buddy cop movie i think it was the i I don't know it's not important but anyways they're setting up for one of the first days of filming bruce willis is there and he's ready and they're changing shots and so kevin smith looks over at the dp and he's like hey yeah and kind of like holding his fingers out in like the two l brackets opposing each other he's like make it like uh this big on his face and bruce willis is like kevin do you not know the frame sizes and he was like, well, I mean, I know him. I just, he knows him better. And he's like, Kevin. And he leans in really close. He's like, if you want to make it in this business, you're going to have to learn the frame sizes. <laughs> the idea that Bruce Willis is like a weird snob about cinematography right. is just such a beautiful idea. I love it. Like... <laughs> that's, that's my favorite little story about him for sure. But we've, uh, we've gone on for a little bit about Fifth Element. So I'm very excited to see your number five pick well if you like sci-fi my friend and if you like sci-fi out there in the world of listeners have i got some choices for you my number five comes in at alien oh baby that's a good one alien is a hell of a movie part sci-fi part horror 
it is a gruelingly paced film mm. uh, that really wants you to seep into the Nostromo and think about what you are dealing with and the absolute terror that this creature is and the idea that this creature was literally made as like a costume and prosthetic and the fact that it could capture so well on film it in, in a frightening made by hr geiger world of slightly horny horror creatures um it's just so spooky <laughs> Uh, and, uh, welcome to the hot take train, everybody. I don't like Aliens very much, because it really ruins a lot of that for me. Um, I get it. But Alien, that first movie, is just so... It's just so unique. Mm -hmm. Um, and when they went on to make the video game, uh, they wanted to recreate that Alien movie, uh, as a video game. Tension, yeah. Tension. And, like, both both of those things provide such a great view into like just how terrifying both space is and the unknown is um like that thing alone was able to just eliminate an entire task force um and so that would that would you would think make aliens that much scarier oh absolutely um but Alien, the stuff with the android and the the chest hugger and popping out of the chest, and of course the famous story that they didn't tell anyone that was happening, so all of the reactions are real. So good, dude. I I I um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I have to say it's that first one is in a whole different world of a movie than the second one, and I really feel like all yeah. of the Aliens movies are. You know, like, there's Alien, and it's the only one that's ever done what it did, you know? The second one, to yes. me, is, like, the difference between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. If you want a super yeah. cool sci-fi movie with a good story and a lot of heart, you watch Terminator 1. If you want to watch just, like, a shoot 'em up blow-up, car chase, you know, shotguns while you're riding a motorcycle movie, Terminator 2's your ride, you know? And I feel like it's kind of the same thing. That first one is art and the second one is like a ride you know it's like an amusement park you're just like wee this is fun unsurprising unsurprising that both of those are made by james Cameron. yeah <laughs> right <laughs> didn't even realize it when i set up the comparison but you are correct sir but honestly i love that pick i think that movie as a big sci-fi person you are Mwah. that is a great choice um, How about your number four? Then? Number four. Can't believe we're already at number four. Uh, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it way back to 1942's Casablanca. Ooh. Wow. Now there's a movie. I don't know what it is about, like, the cynicism of that movie that I love. Like, the juxtaposition of the cynicism and, like, love and this tension of the war and not getting a happy ending spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet i think i'm in the clear at this point but the fact that like it's a bittersweet ending nobody's really a hundred percent happy at the end of it that always resonates with me and yeah it's like a it's like a film noir romance movie yeah absolutely yeah Humph humphrey bogart brings this uh 
energy to it with, I mean, Ingrid Bergman as well. That's just like crazy to match. And yet they're torn apart. And what makes it, it's not even the centerpiece of like Nazis and resistant fighting. It's just what sculpts the story as it goes. And, uh, you know, being in this like, French Moroccan kind of vibe that they've got is just so romantic and I just adore that one I will never forget being in an intro to film class <laughs> and uh, we were watching Casablanca and the professor stopped the film because they wanted to talk about some symbolism in it in one of the Moroccan scenes yeah when they go see uh, the guy who's like the who's like the underworld guy, oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, Humphrey Bogart leaves. Is that Humphrey Bogart or is it the other guy? Either way, he leaves guy, yeah. and he swats a fly. And the professor is like, "You see, he's swatting a fly, but symbolically, he is also swatting the problem of this character." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, you really stopped a film for this." <laughs> You this biting us? commentary. <laughs> Someone just gets up and uh, walks out. <laughs> yes. Also, uh, that movie I also really love, and that's a that's I think that's another popular top movie, Casablanca. Oh. You know, it gets to it gets to ride the wave with other popular like. I mean, is it, Casablanca is like in the top ten of AFI's thing? Or I whatever, think right? so. Like it's gotta be. I think so. To be honest, I didn't look, but I bet you that a few of the movies that we've both said are in like those, you know, AMC top one hundred movie posters where you scratch yeah. it off, and then I've always wanted to do that, but Miranda won't watch all the movies with me, so uh, my wife really let me out in the That's rain on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of AFI. Uh, at least in one of the years, my number four was on the AFI Top 100, sitting at, like, 98 or something. And that is Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. Oh, it, it killed me not to put Blade Runner on mine. I'm so glad it's on yours. Uh, Blade Runner is the sole inspiration of so much media, um, like, in terms of tabletop RPGs, video games, novels, and Blade Runner itself is inspired by other novels of its ilk. It is a movie that gets talked about so much, and the movie, kind of nothing happens, right? Like, it is a movie of extremely mundane action, but is moved by these incredibly motivated characters and performances of uh, Harrison Ford as the uh, agent and the android. Um, oh, the replicant, excuse me, of uh, trying to discover how to extend his and his friends' lives. And this, this you can see from the outside as a viewer that chances are slim, but that they might make it. Um, but as you get closer and closer to the end, you start to realize before the replicants do that it's not going to happen. Um, and... So for uh, Rucker Hauer's performance in the rain at the end of that, um, of someone just expressing the beauty of being alive is, like, nothing beats that almost. Like, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those movies, too, that kind of just reminds you to be 
grateful for like every day that you have because humans, you know, I think overall tend to be pretty miserable. And uh, yet if you had this other thing that had a shot at the same kind of life that we get, you really see the beauty and the majesty in, in just life. That's a great film. That's a beautiful choice. Yes, and uh, it is It is another long movie, and I would actually recommend that you don't watch the theatrical cut. If you haven't watched it, watch Final Cut. I would cut. agree. Um, because uh, that's the one Ridley Scott actually got to make and supervise. Yeah, I, there's a few um, different ones, right? So there's theatrical, there's directors, yeah. and then there's final. And that final yes, so... cut's really how Ridley Scott wanted it to be, right? Yeah, so the director's cut, weirdly... Uh, Ridley Scott, like, approved a bunch of stuff, but wasn't really part of the process. Um, so when that got cut, when that got put out, they advertised as the director's cut. Um, and then Ridley Scott, years later, was like, man, this still isn't the movie I wanted to make. Um, so he went one more time and actually supervised the cut, and that's what Final Cut is. Um, notably, the theatrical cut has Harrison Ford narrating over the whole movie Crazy. and not only does harrison ford not play super well audio only he just sounds incredibly bored um it also is like explaining things to the to the audience that are super plainly obvious and it like it makes it feel like you're getting an audio description for a child yeah um it's very it's so weird i think it's worth a watch if you if you're a big blade runner oh head, for sure if you're if you just want the movie as intended just watch final I, yeah i completely agree i feel like that must have been a decision of like an extremely nitpicky executive executive producer that just didn't want and you know like couldn't get it it was like well we just need to make this really clear can we add narration and he was like ridley scott's like oh man and Harrison Ford was just like, I'll take a million more dollars, sure. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Oh, man. Whew. Okay, are we are Let's... we top three now? We are top three. Good God, okay. So, wow. You know, all right, yeah. The, when you're this high up on the list, they're so close that looking down at my paper, I'm like, hold strong, stick with your choices, and <laughs> do not change <laughs> So, uh, I'm going with a Rob Reiner movie here. Uh, the okay. Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. I can probably quote that entire movie, and every time I get sick, it is one of the absolute first things to go on. Because I can fall asleep at any given moment in that movie and wake up and have zero confusion about anything that's happening. I know it so well. And just the idea of the setup. This is my favorite book, by the way. The book, technically wit written by uh, William Goldman, but, you know, on the cover it says written by S. Morgenstern. It has this big introduction how they are abridging S. Morgenstern's story. So then, in the production of the film, for them to say, how can we translate that well in a movie? How can we do this? we'll get Fred Savage and he's going to be sick in bed and his grandfather is going to abridge the book cut out the boring bits and, and try, you know tell the most exciting version of the story and just that idea alone is so artistic and wonderful to me 
that its charm is incredible. But then also, as it even says in the movie, it's got romance, it's got sword fights, it's got danger, it has laughter and hilarity. It has some of the most quotable lines ever, and I just adore it. It will never grow old in my heart. It's so true. That movie is incredibly irreverent. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what makes it so beautiful, is that it is this story that takes itself as seriously and as unseriously as is necessary. Um, It is just so... It is just a fun ride across the board mm-hmm. all of the time all of the time uh, absolutely uh it, it it is a movie that like you said so many people quote it all the time yeah. um and it's just it's just so fun if you've never seen the princess bride you should you really, really gotta get on life. that carrie l west is like that's top tier carrie l west you got every, you got mandy patinkin in there christopher guest is like an amazing villain, the Six-Fingered Man. For years, I would watch mm-hmm. Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy movies and have no idea that that was Christopher Guest. And Wallace Shawn, inconceivable! <laughs> right next to yes, Andre course. the Giant. Good lord. Robin Wright's in that movie? My god. My god. Alright, well, my number yes, three take away. might come in at a a little basic and interestingly placed, but my number three is Citizen Kane. Really? Okay, I gotta say, brilliant, but let's hear it. What's your why? I like Citizen Kane quite a bit. Um, I know that's... A lot of people say they like Citizen Kane. But Citizen Kane was a movie I watched for the first time in college. Me too. And it is a... It's really astounding to watch after consuming so much modern media... Mm -hmm. Because that movie feels like it could have been made five years ago. Um, the techniques that Orson Welles wanted to use to make that movie are incredible, and no one else was doing them at the time. That movie was literally 50 years ahead of itself. Um, and, of course, it had so much to say about a uh, known bad person, William Randolph Hearst. Hearst that's right. Um, and... Uh, the story it wants to tell about the absolute descent um, in depravity, in a mental state, in physical condition of this of this character um, is just so profound. It's so interesting to watch all of that go down and to watch that movie. And it's a, it's also like a long movie, like two hours or something like that. Um, yeah. But it really doesn't feel it. Um, it moves, and it moves pretty fast. Uh, I... And, of course, there's very famous scenes in Citizen Kane, and uh, there's interviews you can watch with Orson Welles that are super interesting to listen to him talk about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, Citizen Kane is a great movie. Never let anyone deter you. Citizen Kane is good and worth watching. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think that is a... uh, Obviously, looking at my list, I have a couple, maybe, but, like, I'm the type of person that will watch the black-and-white version of It's a Wonderful Life because it was the way it was intended, and I love... You're completely correct. Citizen Kane blew the damn doors down off Hollywood, you know? Like, or it tried to, you know, like, in terms of storytelling and cinematography alone. Really, really advanced 
the whole playing field for everybody else and I think really raised the golden standard of filmmaking in that era. That was what Orson Welles was doing, man. He was a dude with a relatively intense life Mm -hmm. that I think he was just here on this earth to just show everyone what is possible. And then... Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to put it. You know, it's like... Some people are like, yeah, well, have you heard that recording of where he gets really angry recording a commercial for, like, some non-important thing? Like, yeah, man, I'd probably get kind of mad, too. If I was Orson Welles and I'm like, man, my empire means nothing. I am doing this weird commercial. This It's like for cranberry juice or something. I don't remember what it's for, but... His final role was as Unicron in Transformers the movie... And he was airlifted out of his Sedona home because he was too large to fit through the door. That makes so much more sense now. There's a Simpsons joke that just all it's all the empty spaces just got filled in for me. <laughs> uh, all right. What is what is your number two? Your second best film? number two. Honestly. This movie never ceases to make me laugh. It never, ever, ever. I watch this movie, seen it a million times. My wife agrees to watch it once a year. We put it on, and she chuckles maybe like five times. I wipe tears out of my eyes like consistently throughout this film. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Hell of a movie. I don't think I really need to say much more about the movie, honestly. I love Monty Python, and I think this is their best movie. And, um, man, it's just brilliant. Genius. In every facet. And the fact that they ran out of money, they shot the whole thing in, I don't remember how many days, but it's only like 20-something days, I think. They shoot the whole movie in like less than a month. They run out of money, and in the end scene, everyone just gets arrested. (laughs) instead of having this great big battle with king arthur the cops finally catch up and are like all right everybody in the paddy wagon it's brilliant i think it's hilarious it's a testament to what comedy is monty python dell it really thrives in the subversion of comedy right like absolute subversion of expectation yeah. And uh, Monty Python is just all that is. Everything from My Name is Tim to <laughs> The Black Knight. Like, Honestly, another quotable movie like crazy. But yeah, just every scene has something brilliant. Love it to death. But um, why don't you go ahead and lead us in? The tension is building in my heart. <laughs> What's your number, number two, two pick? Might be controversial. It is, in fact, The Blair Witch Project. And that is The Blair Witch Project. That's number one. That's the first one, right? That is indeed the very first one. Mm-mm-mm. That's the only one that I think I finished watching. That's fine. The other <laughs> two are are uh, interesting in their own right. Um, but uh, Blair Witch Project is foundational for a lot of reasons. It helped pioneer... Um, that found footage style. It was not Absolutely. the first, but it did help establish how that how that medium could work. Um, oh, 100%. With, uh, with an absolutely incredible marketing behind it, that idea that Blair Witch was somehow real and that they were making you pay for a ticket for it to watch it in a theater. 
Right. Um, I remember being a kid and like reading in the newspaper, hearing on the news or something that people were like, everyone, guess what? Blair Witch Project is, they are actors. It's a movie. Like it was a big deal. We're like, yeah, it came out in the theaters. <laughs> of course. But you didn't see it on the news. Like <laughs> this just in literal supernatural creature discovered by college students. Right, right, right. <laughs> But what a trip of a movie. I love its execution of horror. Absolutely. The whole last third where they're just looking for Josh mm. um, and they're just screaming his name and then they end up finding that old house. Um, and of course, the famous ending scene. Um, oh, yeah. That movie is just so special and a really good exercise in how effective horror can be. Um just as a medium, right? Like, people yeah. went into that movie thinking it was real and scared like it was real. Um, mm -hmm. And it was so... It was just... It was filmed over the course of, like, a couple weeks or something on a single handicam that they returned to the store. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. They returned a bunch of the equipment they bought to recoup production costs. Oh, man. That's a real story. That's like an underdog story if I've ever heard one. That movie is great. Um, yeah, I will I will watch Blair Witch Project basically any time of the year, but I tend to love watching it during Halloween times. Oh, and uh, if I've ever met anyone who hasn't watched it, I usually try really hard to convince them to uh, watch it with me because I love being there for the first time someone watches Blair Witch Project. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think these days, given the certain climate, you know, like if you're listening to this, you're probably like, ah, oh, that movie's kind of old. It's probably kind of hokey. Doesn't matter. That movie builds tension in such a way that you don't need to see what's happening to be on the edge of your seat and terrified. Uh, yeah, fear is universal. Uh, and those actors were, in some cases, actually afraid. Because uh, yeah, some things were not told to them. <laughs> yeah, that would have messed me up as an actor. <laughs> things was different in the 90s, but it makes for a great movie. Oh, it's, yeah, it makes for a real fun time. <laughs> All right, okay. friend, what is your absolute number one, numero uno, cinema? All right. Now, I feel pretty good about dying on this trilogy hill. That's but if I can't, I can definitely make something. But I, I will also die. <laughs> These are very com uh, opposing viewpoints. However, my number one pick for my favorite top ten movies of all time is Lord of the Rings. Wow. I know a lot of people aren't in for it and think it's just too long too dry well guess what one of my favorite things to do in the whole wide world is like wake up put in the extended edition of fellowship of the ring and spend my whole day watching extended editions which the extended edition of return of the king is over five hours long and i love every second of it the, i i love the books of course but honestly even as a big reader and a big fantasy reader it's kind of hard to get through the books sometimes, I think. Like, I love them and respect them, but the movies are done so well. And I think it's... Of course, things are changed. Of 
course it's not a perfect adaptation, but nothing ever really could be. I think this is as good as it's ever going to get when you think about taking a fantasy trilogy in a book series and making it into a movie. I think they nailed this trilogy. Can I tell you a story about when I went to go see Return of the King with my dad in theaters? Oh, please do. I went up to go pee. And it was after the big fight. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, oh, this movie's probably ending soon. (laughs) Sentences that precede unfortunate events. Um, (laughs) And uh, I went to the bathroom and came back and... It was all so sentimental and seemed very epilogue So I was like, oh, I'll just stand in the hallway because it's about to end. I don't want to bother the people who I had to walk in front of to get to the bathroom. You know, this movie's almost done. I stood in that hallway for an hour or something. <laughs> oh, no. Waiting for the movie to end. And it just kept going. Yeah. Yeah, it did. That is so funny to me. I think that that's one of the only movies I I hate peeing in the movie theater. Always have. I hate missing parts of the movie when I'm in the theater because it's the most special time to watch the movie. And if I have to pee, that's how you know it's really bad. And I think I might have peed twice in Return of the King. Wow. Oh, yeah. But honestly, I could go on about the Lord of the Rings trilogy all day. I, I really could. But really quick... I think as far as, like, high fantasy goes, J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, as much as I love The Hobbit book, I cannot say the same about the movies, but it's high fantasy at its finest, and Peter Jackson really brought it home in a, in a great, interesting, cinematic fashion, and the cast is incredible, you know? Yeah. Like, nonstop, or is it just people that are just the most brilliant actors I, I i love it i love everything about those movies the the production on lord of the rings is incredible uh it's hard not to look at those as like a spectacle at the very least to see like you know that was the pinnacle of early 2000s filmmaking basically oh yeah and i think it was the first time anyone knew that they were like all right we're shooting three movies we're not going to stop filming we're going to be in production for like a decade and they just filmed it straight through, shot through everything while they're releasing movies at the same time. I think that's super impressive. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely. But, all right, that, that tops it off for my list, which I got to say, I feel good about it. I had a lot of anxiety going in, but now that it's all out on the table, I feel pretty good. So why don't you go ahead and hit us with your number one pick? My number one movie is not necessarily the best constructed or the highest production cost, but it is a film with heart to spare. It's a, it's a movie called Paper Moon. It's a story about a con artist, father-daughter duo, um, played by real-life uh, father and daughter, uh, Tatum O'Neill, and I believe Ryan O'Neill is his name. Um, but the O'Neills. And it's about their story during Depression-era America, who, and they're making money just scamming people. Um, Just trying to make their way to a reasonable life, uh, collect enough money that they could maybe stop doing that life. And about the different journeys that uh, Tatum O'Neill's character experiences. And she's a little girl in this movie, so like she's just trying to figure out what the world means. 
she has to put up with her dad like getting into a relationship uh she has to deal with like seeing her dad get the absolute stuffing beaten out of him by some uh moonshiners um it's it's a movie that is all about the if there's a if there's a film that embodies the character movie instead of the plot movie it's paper moon the plot's pretty thin there's not really a lot going on but the stories that these characters go on and the way that they get shot and the open wide shots of them on the open road uh all the way through to like the way everything is filmed to just remind you of this certain 40s and 50s aesthetic um and to show you just how regular everybody is is uh special that movie is um will always be in my heart as something i can watch always oh you know i had to pull this one up because uh i think you have told me about paper moon before i'm sure i've I've never watched it and now i feel really inspired i got like madeline khan i love madeline khan this movie and and right on imdb at the top it says comedy crime drama like it doesn't even want to say one genre it's just so representative it seems i I, i'm excited i'm i'm thrilled to watch this movie for the first time if i had to give one word to it it'd probably be coming of age um it's definitely about growth um and uh yeah if you do end up watching it i am very excited to hear what you think of it it is a very uh heartwarming special film absolutely Uh. all right so these are our top 10 lists you feel good about yours i feel pretty good about mine uh, let's decide, based on our list or based on outside of our list, what do we think is in fact the number one movie of all time? Uh, while we consider those things, why don't we just briefly go over our honorable mentions? Ooh, yeah. So I wrote like thirteen honorable mentions, but I boiled. I it have down. six. <laughs> I boiled it down to like three, but if you have six, I might knock it up to just one, one or two more. But I've got them kind of like registered out here. Do you want me to just rattle through them? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So my number one honorable mention, it killed me that. um... Give me one. What, What are you trying to think? What's going on? There we go. So my first honorable mention is rear window because it killed me not sure. to have any alfred hitchcock i love sure. rear window that's my favorite hitchcock movie second pick one it's a good one. Oh yeah right brilliant i love it uh airplane exclamation airplane. point one of the finest comedies ever <laughs> it's just non-stop great um young frankenstein kind of killed me to not have mel brooks on here i gotta say to dr strange love or how i stopped wait no, Doctor Strange Love subtitle or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb is just magnificent. Peter Seller mm-hmm. at his finest. Um, and then it also destroyed me that I didn't have an animated movie. And I got to say that probably kind of comes down between Hercules and maybe Spirited Away. I really love those. Yeah. I got to say, it's hard for me to get through the honorable mentions because I have so many more that I didn't even mention, but that's okay. (laughs) What about you? What are yours? My honorable mentions are Star Wars, 
Just Star Wars. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant. All of those movies are have some special and are so are special in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also enough that we could rank them. I think so. Maybe we'll just save our opinions on those Ooh, for a different time. I like that uh, idea. Also, uh, on this is some of the Marvel movies. Ah, I am very far behind and not very well caught up. I think I've probably not watched the best ones. Black Panther is one I would think. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, that's one. Uh, I can't um, watch that one yet because I haven't watched Endgame. <laughs> that's Far From Home. You can watch We've watched Oh, Homecoming. Homecoming is brilliant. Do a backflip. <laughs> yeah! Do a flip! <laughs> uh, and then I also have Network. Ooh. Uh, good. Network's a great movie. Good call. Um, also for animated movies, I didn't initially think of this, but you said something about it, so I also realized what I would put. My honorable mentions for an animated movie would either be Princess Mononoke, which is another Studio Ghibli movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other one would be uh, Akira, uh, which is an anime adaptation of the manga Akira. Ooh, interesting. I think um, you've told me a little bit about that one before. I, I should check it out. Every edgy, angsty, uh, like, dual protagonist or rival character you enjoy originated from Akira, I believe. Hmm. Um, right. uh, but I have three more. We have Full Metal, ja- Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah, buddy. This is my rifle. This is my gun. I love it. Uh, and, of course, that famous bathroom scene. Yeah, that um, whole movie. Speaking of other famous scenes involving guns, uh, the Deer Hunter is another one of my honorable mentions. Oh, Patty Mao, dude, that movie really messed me up. <laughs> I messed me that up one too. Way too young. I don't know what my family was thinking. Same here, man. My dad let me watch that, and I watched that Russian roulette scene, and it changed my life. Same Z's. Um, Holy God. <laughs> and then just a final honorable mention, because I think it's important, is uh, the room. It's an important um, movie. We should all remember it fondly. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous, but you gotta put it on there. I love it. Th- th- those are great honorable mentions, I gotta say. I think I think we should both be very proud of our little list babies. Absolutely. Have Do we know what we might consider the number one movie? You know, I don't know. We This might be Blood in the Streets, because I've never seen Paper Moon. And uh, I really love Lord of the Rings. It's true. We could also split the difference. Only one movie showed up twice on our list. And I think that says something. Or it didn't show up twice on the list, but you wanted it on your list and I put it on mine. That's Blade Runner. That's true. That is on my honorable mentions. That did not make it to the top six there. But it was... (laughs) I really just want to say the last ones that didn't make it on. But Blade Runner's like near the top of that little list there. Sure. You know what? I'm going to say Final Cut of that movie is something that even if you aren't into sci-fi, even if you're not like a huge movie person, like it's a real experience. And I would recommend that to anyone. Absolutely. Do you think we could safely call it the best movie? Safely? Eh. But for these purposes, I am more than happy to say Blade Runner is so good that it very well could be the best all right well then with that being said it looks like our number one movie 
Going in the hall of best things ever is Blade Runner with runner-up Finding Nemo, Finding Dory. Ooh, I love if you want to submit an idea for us to rank, please do so at itsjustacountdown at gmail.com. We will see you next time, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.